This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, July 18th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Carlos Ghosn blasts Nissan Renault's reworked alliance and its ouster of COO Ashwani Gupta. Tesla's directors will return hundreds of millions of dollars in stock options. And Chevy unveils its off-road version of the Traverse. Plus, we'll hear from Q-Merit CEO Tracy Price, who says a shortage of charger electricians could be a big problem for upcoming EV rollouts. When uh, new widgets are manufactured, they don't install themselves, maintain themselves, change themselves out when they call in sick or dead. So you, you need the labor component. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Automotive fugitive Carlos Ghosn says the recent management upheaval at Nissan is proof that boardroom cloak and dagger is still rife at the Japanese automaker. During an online press conference hosted by the Foreign Correspondence Club of Japan, Ghosn specifically criticized the recent ouster of former COO Ashwani Gupta. Frankly, I don't know this uh, soap opera of the defenestration of Gupta. Uh, has been, frankly, laughable because I understood that there was a new corporate governance with the new rules, with a lot of transparency. All of this was, frankly, a, a story for idiots. The cloak and daggers continues. Uh, the CEO has been defenestrated for no obvious reason except an alleged misconduct that was not even clear. Ghosn also said his billion-dollar lawsuit against Nissan and certain executives at the company is meant to keep those who worked against him from sleeping soundly at night. Tesla directors have agreed to settle a shareholder lawsuit challenging their compensation by returning more than 3 million stock options to the company. Those options are worth $735 million, according to a filing in Delaware court this week. The settlement resolves a 2020 lawsuit by a retirement fund that holds Tesla stock and challenged stock options that were granted to Tesla directors starting in June 2017. The settlement does not affect the $56 billion package of CEO Elon Musk. Shareholders are challenging that package in a separate lawsuit that went to trial last year. A ruling is expected soon in the Musk case. Meanwhile, federal traffic safety regulators are opening a new special crash investigation into a fatal Tesla crash involving advanced driver assistance systems. The Model 3 accident happened in California in 2018. Since 2016, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has opened more than three dozen Tesla special crash investigations in cases where systems such as autopilot were suspected of being used, with 20 crash deaths reported. Tesla did not immediately respond to a request for comment. And Chevrolet is loading the next-generation Traverse crossover with its first-ever off-road trim. It's also adding more standard safety features and larger touchscreens. Chevy's global vice president, Scott Bell, says the sleeker designs of the company's EVs have opened up new opportunities for its gasoline-burning models, such as the Traverse. 
it's given us permission on the ICE vehicles to make them a little bit more truck-like, right? So we have a, a good variance here, I think, as we get into the crossover segments in the, in the future. The 2024 Traverse is scheduled to go on sale early next year. GM did not disclose pricing while revealing the third-generation Traverse at the mid-Michigan plant that will assemble it. But executives said the crossover will be competitive in its segment. And those are today's headlines. Jamie. Carlos Ghosn, will he ever learn it's better for him to stop talking? <laughs> well, you know, we'll see if it's better. You know, he's got this big uh, lawsuit against Nissan and, and certain executives. So uh, clearly he feels it's in his best interest to uh, keep hounding them and keep uh, what he sees as his mistreatment in the public eye. Uh, but it's a it's a curious situation. And I'm not even sure that he isn't misreading or misrepresenting what's going on because uh, Gupta, of course, the nature of cloak and dagger, it's hard to tell uh, what's actually going on from the outside. Uh, but Gupta seemed to be the main protagonist uh, for a lot of the drama within Nissan in these days, uh, angling to be CEO and all that. So we'll see. The Carlos Ghosn case is one of those that just never goes away. It's such a wild situation. Uh, coming up, we'll hear from the CEO of QMerit, which is working on addressing the growing need for more EV charger electricians. That's next on Daily Drive. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for a trade appraisal missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves, from appointment scheduling through final confirmation in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lien. GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. The number of EV chargers is booming across the U.S. and the world as the industry pivots to an electrified future. And the National Renewable Energy Laboratory recently released a report saying millions more will be needed before 2030. But who's going to maintain and fix all those chargers? There's already a skilled trades labor shortage across all sectors in the U.S. Qmerit is an electric vehicle charging company that's working to address the issue. CEO Tracy Price spoke with our own Hannah Lutz on the latest edition of Shift, a podcast about mobility. Here's a piece of their conversation. So I want to talk at first about QMerit, what you guys have been doing. You handle mostly uh, charger installation, education, technician recruitment. Walk me through that, and then I have some more specific questions about the recent happenings and into the industry. Sure. So QMerit was one of the early pioneers in the industry, made some uh, big bets on commercial charging in our prior company and probably did the majority of the commercial and public charging installations for most of the major auto OEMs. When I spun this company out of a public entity that had acquired my prior business, uh, they asked us to focus on residential. And that was really the, 
the long pole in the tent and the, the harder road to take. We looked at some information that said that 85% of all level two charging was going to take place at the home. And so we iterated on the model for several, several years, worked with some of the same auto OEMs, uh, got that right, and then really waited for the cars to show up. And now that they have at scale, we're the largest in North America uh, with 3,300 locations and over 14,000 electricians on our platform. And you focused mostly, as you said, on residential, but more recently you've gotten into the commercial space a bit more. What is the outlook there? Sure. So our history as a company in in mechanical, electrical, and energy efficiency and renewables was 35 years of doing commercial work. And we had a very small, nascent uh, residential business called Green Homes America. When we were acquired by the public company, they wanted to divest uh, the resi piece. So we got out of resi. And... um, being asked by the auto OEMs to get back into it, we had some some knowledge and uh, and skills in that area, and so we focused on that. I also had a, a non compete for five years, which precluded me from being back in the commercial world, which expired a year and a half ago. So, with the expiration of that and the the history and relationships we had with you know the fleets and the auto OEMs, uh, it was easy for them to say, okay, we we have uh, reasonable confidence in these guys; they know what they're doing. And so, yes, we flipped all the switches back on. So we're probably 30% of our revenues today in commercial, and that should uh, continue to grow. So on the commercial side, I mean, there's been so much investment and focus on public charging for, for EVs. How do you fit into it? What types of commercial partners are you looking for or do you have already? Yeah, so on the commercial side, we're not doing any of the large uh, like public chargers off the freeway the big civil engineering jobs, the provenance of the Bombards and Helix and Cupertinos and those guys. Uh, We're doing mid-market commercial, existing buildings. So it's more retrofit and then ongoing service, uh, multifamily, which is uh, difficult and a bit of a conundrum, and then uh, residential, more proper. So the the commercial work is, is interesting because uh, the complexities there, obviously it's, uh, it's not simple work, and it's also work that needs to be done by people who are certified to do it so that you don't get hurt. Uh, it's not like low voltage where you can make a mistake and it just fries a thermostat. That's, that's not the world we're in. So there, there is a, a premium put on certification, training, education. We tend to partner with the people who do that the best and have done it the longest. So EVITP is, is one of the groups that, that we work with quite closely. We have ongoing discussions with NECA, and NECA you know, is a very large organization, and they would really like to develop their service and retrofit capabilities for commercial. So I think you're seeing a lot of people kind of circling the, the opportunity. You know, there was a recent announcement by SAE that they were going to get into certifications. So you know, as the industry becomes more real, I, I tell everybody Pinocchio is becoming a real boy. So as that continues you see more and more and more people coming to the market who were not part of building it. And I'm sure that creates a little frustration for the pioneers. But again, you you need a robust market in order to make this thing really happen at scale. Can you talk more about the scarcity of of labor? You said you're you're partnering with, with many and there are lots of people now getting into this. How big of an opportunity or or really an issue could this become as EV charging infrastructure scales we need people to install and to and to fix the chargers sure yeah and and uh you know having been involved with venture capital backed companies or private equity companies i i would always tell them that 
when uh, new uh, widgets are manufactured, they don't install themselves, maintain themselves, change themselves out when they call in sick or dead. So you, you need the labor component. And because we've always been at the vanguard of the industry, whether it was electrical, energy efficiency, you know, mechanical retrofits and repairs, we've always experienced this scarcity of labor issue. You know, I had the largest non-union company in California in the late 90s, and I took that company union, which most people thought was heresy, but I needed people who were committed to that avocation and wanted to learn those skills and go through the apprenticeship program. So, you know, th- that's been an issue for decades. It's it's more acute now because you've got finally this convergence of megawatts and megabytes, which you know we've been talking about for a dozen years, and, and now it's finally here. You know, you're seeing industrial equipment being automated with software. It's complicated. So the traditional skill set that was being applied to these industries is no longer really germane. And it's being handed off to a younger workforce that's not replacing itself in the building trades. So you have complexity issues and you have a lack of of, uh, backfill of employees, which is exacerbating the problem. But if there was ever an industry with an opportunity for high paying jobs that is not, you know, dirty, you know, difficult work. It's just, it, it requires a, you know, a lot of training and education. This is it. So how is this type of electrician job different from a traditional electrician? I mean, there's a nationwide shortage of electricians generally, and, and there has been, but with chargers, this is a relatively new technology and it does have more of like a, a software technology focus than maybe a traditional electrician would handle day to day. So how should the industry be addressing that, you know, potential knowledge gap? What sort of training is needed? Yeah, I think there are competing interests because you have uh, electrical manufacturing jobs that are increasing. You have all of the the line jobs and the traditional uh, high voltage electrical work that you have all these lines that need to be replaced. You have failures, you have fires. So there's no shortage of of work in electrical per se, but it stratifies based on high voltage, medium voltage, low voltage. And then you kind of have a branch or, you know, a a leg that goes off into electrification with EV charging. And the traditional electrical companies were kind of late to the game on that, just like a lot of the traditional electrical manufacturers left the playing field. And that created the opening for you know, lots of no-name brands to come in with their products and create the market. And that market was created without the traditional two-step distribution that you see in electrical and without the traditional relationships. So that void that was created allowed a, a lot of companies who were maybe the strivers and achievers or the ones with maybe a little more curious mind or the ones that, that didn't have a lock on their market space to say, okay, I'm, I'm interested in this. I want to try it. There's always the the leading edge, you know, people that want to be part of something new, uh, people that were into EVs or car, you know, car people. Um, you know, I've, I've said America is basically a, a car nut country, so you get a new kind of car. You know, there's people that are going to want to try that, and that created an entire boutique industry that was maturing for let's say seven eight years before it got to scale. Once it got to scale, now all of a sudden the traditional players are coming in and saying, whoa, 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 hold on. That prov- the provenance of that work is mine. <laughs> and so that's where you see all this, this uh, conflicting behaviors. And, and really, it, 
it does point to not only a shortage of traditional electrical jobs, but the electrification work, which is more systems integration than electrical work. So a lot of electrical work, you drive to the job site, you, you do your thing, new construction, you know, that's just traditional work and whether it's at nuclear power plants or utilities or housing tracks, you know, that, that's kind of work that's been done. With uh, service and retrofit, you're putting somebody in a vehicle and you're sending him someplace and he's kind of got to fend for himself and he's got to be as versed in the software and the tech side of it as he is in the actual electrical work because a lot of this is commissioning and programming and connecting to the internet and downloading you know, the, the system for the handshake. So they, they have to be a little bit more of a jack of all trades while also having the electrical certification to make sure they're safely installing that, not creating a potential thermal event for the homeowner. Tracy Price is CEO of QMerit. He spoke with our own Hannah Lutz on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear their full conversation on Shift wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Lindsey Van Hulley and Hans Grimel for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on EV charging, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.